Guys, welcome to Nathan K. Gingerbread Podcast. On the couch today, we've got Vic Dark. We're going to be discussing knife crime. Yes, we'd like to talk about. What would you, how would you like to uh, address knife crime, Vic? Well, basically, I'm representing the chaps, wise guys, gangsters, whatever you say, and we're from the street. Obviously, I've done a lot of time in prison. And being in prison, obviously, I've been arrested for stabbing myself 12 months for a knife. I was involved in a murder of someone who, who I was had nothing to do with who was killed by a knife. So really, basically, I feel that it's time for us to stand up now and say, listen, kids, you know, this is, this is, you've got to put the knives down yeah. because we're going nowhere. All you do is killing innocent people. But Why do you think knife crime is so rife at the moment? Why do you think it's, it's... I think a lot of people carry knives because for their own protection. And I think they've got to be strong enough to walk out and say, no, I'm not going to carry a knife. Because a lot of people don't realise by carrying a knife, one, you're going to prison, two, you don't know what's happening when people actually get stabbed. They can live, they can die. Obviously, I've been in some big trials. So when we, what we say to kids, what I'm trying to say to kids, when you're watching me, you probably look at that knob, look at that prick, look at that idiot. But I'm, you know, I've got a T-shirt and wore it. Obviously, I've been in prison for 20 years. Armed robberies, shoot out of police, bank robberies, security vans. So there's nothing I haven't done. Murder, been arrested for murder, 12, 12 months for carrying a knife, three years for a stabbing. And, I've put, I, I, and I'm now strong enough to walk out without a knife. How can we educate these kids though to say, they'll carry a knife and you'll say, why are you carrying a knife? They say, because it's for protection. Because if I don't carry a knife, someone, will ha someone else will have a knife. So how are they going to feel they're going to be protected? Well, most, most crimes committed, as you know, with young kids, it's not one person who actually stabs someone. It's usually three, four, five people. And what I'm here today to talk about, which we, when we're up and down the country, I talk to Paul Ferris, I talk to most gangsters up and down England, and, uh, and someone's got to stand up, like myself, there's been a lot of programmes, Danny Dyer's Deadlist, British Gangsters, Confession of Cotty Gangsters. I stepped out of it for a long time because obviously I didn't want to get involved with crime no more. So what we're saying to the kids, look, listen, you know, before you stab someone, think about it because your life's over. Because the man who dies, he's dead. But believe me, the next 20 years of your life, you're in trouble, mate. It's like a tomb. You're putting yourself in a tomb. So don't listen to all the rap songs. Don't listen to all these silly bastards saying you, you're a hero because you stabbed someone. Because we're not working for the government. We're not working for the police. We're doing it for us, for the, what you call the working class people. That's what we're doing it for. So get in your head. I'm not sitting here for money. I'm not sitting here for the police. I'm not sitting here for the MPs, them stuck-up fuckers in the House of Parliament. We're sticking here, I'm sitting here for the working-class people who's lost a lot of children through being stabbed to death. So when people, before they act, I'm asking to listen to my story, and I'm going to explain to you, because I've been there, got the T-shirt and wore it. Have you ever stabbed someone? Yes. Going to prison for that, what was it like going to prison, knowing that you... St did the person die? No, he lost his spleen. He lost his spleen? He was stabbed five and a half inches underneath his left nipple, just missed his heart. Um, I could have got a life sentence, but I didn't, because there was 28 people fighting. I got three years. Three years. 
What was it like? Was that your first time in prison? No. What was no. the first time like in prison? ABH. I was arrested for an ABH where um, someone was assaulted and, and apparently had his nose broken, a bus conductor. I've done other sentences. I've done 12 years for armed robberies, 15 years for armed robberies. I've had two acquittals, one of them a murder trial, which I was fitted up on, and the person sitting in jail shouldn't be in jail because he, he wasn't even the killer. I tell you now, they can set you up like my mate is doing natural life for something he didn't do. Getting back to the other one, they set me up on a police thing, going as police officers. I was acquitted by a protected jury, which that trial went on for three weeks. Each of them trials, I was locked up for a year. So that was two years of my life before I was acquitted, walking out them gates. So getting back to knife crime, what's really important is that when you stab someone, I like to ask someone to do something. I'm going to show you what it means. So before we start, I like to explain about situations so you understand to the young boys what I'm going to explain to you what's going to happen. Thank you. This is a knife. This knife plunges into him and can kill him. When you walk out of a knife and you stab someone, you've got a good chance of killing that person. That's why you can't carry that. Because you carry that, you're gonna kill someone. That will put you away for the rest of your life. That will give you 18 years of misery. And that's the reason why I bought that, my friends bought that today, is because if I explain to you with a plastic knife, or I don't, but that's how easy it is, that you are 20 years in prison. And that's how exactly it is, that say no, put it away, hide it. Don't carry it, because if you carry that, you're gonna kill someone. How can we get kids to stop carrying knives? It's all well and good saying, don't carry them, don't do this. They're all, a lot of them that I know that carry knives or have been in violence or have been in gangs yeah. are all from working class families. They're all from the estate. Yeah. How could, it's fine getting one to stop, but how do we get all of them to stop? Does there have to be a tougher punishment on carrying a knife? Well, I wouldn't say, I'm not gonna say stronger punishments because when you've been in prison for a long time it's um you're an outcast you come out of prison and that's another thing you don't understand after finishing a long time sentence if you're a life sentence i've got a friend called tammy who's a female she stabbed her boyfriend she, she she was out for six weeks she had a drink went back to her hostel and she was recalled and that girl's been sitting in prison for the last three four months for having a drink and that's that's just the start of it. That's about being locked up 23 hours a day. You're not gonna to go to the Cat Sea prisons where all these people sunbathing and looking, looking all great and training every day. You're going to a dispersal. Dispersal prisons are over five years. Five years, you've got to do it like eight to 10 years before you even go to them prisons. So you're gonna be thrown in with every lunatic, every nutcase up and down the country. So that's another thing. And if you're a YP, they're the worst for murders, killing each other, stabbing each other. Suicide in prison, I've lost 11 friends through suicide. Tough guys. Probably a lot tougher than most of you out there, and they've killed themselves. So I'm telling you, you will go to hell and back. So once again, getting back to anti-knife crime, that's why I'm here, I'm sitting here, I want to talk to you kids out there, and I'm saying on behalf of all us, all the chaps, black, Asian, white, Greek, Jewish, don't matter. 
we're here to say one thing, put the knives down, kids. Think, give them children a way out. Don't have to kill someone because it's bad mouths you on social media or it's, it's something disrespected you, so you want to kill someone. Don't be led by gangs. Don't, look, I could be a tough guy with 10 people beating up one person. Anyone can be. But please, we're asking, put the knives down. So after being arrested, what is in the process? Arrested for murder? What, is, what then happens after? What are the knock-on effects after being arrested? Well, the murder I was in, involved was that um, I was 320 miles away from the murder. And they said I sent a, someone to kill someone, which was a um, load of lies. So I was woken up by armed response, which is 25 armed police trying to get into your house which they, when they're in your house, they smash your house to bits, they take the tellies off the walls, they rip your carpets up, they, they terrorise your family. So what I'm trying to say to you, so this is just the start of it. Then they pull you into a police station, then they arrest all the women. This is true, they'll nick, they'll nick your mum, they'll nick your sister, they'll nick everyone to get you guilty. So it's just, just, just think before you act, this is what's gonna happen. They're gonna pull your family in, your dad, your brother, your sister, and they're going to question them. They're going to rip your house apart. Then they're going to take you to the police station and they're going to question you. And if you've been nicked in a gang with one stand-up, one will be giving evidence against you. And they will find out 99.5 murders committed in England are, are solved. How, how does this affect your family around you? Do, do, they have, do they go through tough times? I mean, does it affect oh, their terrible work? Terrible times, terrible times. I mean, you split, up from, you split up from the girls you're with. I was a double A cat. I couldn't sit at a table without a prison officer sitting there with me, which was like, at the time, when we was a double A cat, I had four prison officers sitting around a table with my, my so-called Commonwealth wife and my kid. You couldn't say, I love you, because it's embarrassing. So you become strangers. You're not allowed to pick up a child. You're not allowed to touch a child. You, you, so really, basically, you're isolated from touch, you're isolated from a lot of things. So prison, a lot of people don't understand about prison because when you come out of prison, you're not the same person, believe me, you are not the same person because they will take every emotion out of you. You don't know love because you've been knocked about, had your head stamped on, bogeys in your feet, in your, in your dinner. So I've seen so many people get killed. So you're not going to come out of prison like you went in and most lifers say you lose 18 years of your life. It's moved on, time's moved on. The cars are not the same. We never even had telephones. So look, what I'm trying to say to you, before you think, this is what's gonna to happen to you. You're gonna go into a time warp, and it's not a time warp. You will be entombed for 18 years, 20 years of your life. And then 20 years of your life will be either behind the door, 23 hours a day, chucked in with loads of people you don't even like, there's fights every two minutes, suicide, self-harming. This is just the start of it. And then when you, when, when, as the time goes past, at first, you, your adrenaline's going, you're up for trial. All of a sudden, you're, you're nicked. So I've done a 15 years, which I've done 10 years, two weeks out of. And believe me, the first year, you're sort of numb. The second year, you're sort of thinking, yeah, blind. And all of a sudden, the people have been arrested during the 20s, the 15s, the 20s, it all runs to form. The first year, you're a bit numb about it. Second year, all of a sudden, the third year, your money's run out. 
Your girlfriend's left you. Your family's struggling to get you because they push where I'm a cockney to put them in Franklin, where the Geordies are, to fuck up my visits. So it's just the start of it. They move you around the country. So you lifers are always going to be on licence. Always. You're straight back there if you misbehave. I was released, my sentence was over. I had no probations. I just walked out the gate a double A cat. I walked out of category A. I was the only man in one of few men in England to be re released to category A. That's why I'm saying to you kids, I've been there, I've got the t-shirt and I wear it. So I'm saying to you, before you kill someone, let me explain to you, your life's gonna change. Now, that's out of the way, let's talk about the victim. That victim, I've been around a few people who's lost their kids. I lost my mum to cancer. I've never ever experienced something like that. That took me to Ellen back. So imagine someone who's lost a kid of 16, 15, 14 years old, just taken like that when they even started their life. How their parents are gonna feel. So that's what also, and about walking around giving it billy boob bollocks, you just took a little boy's life. And when you grow older, I'm 63 nearly, believe me, you will think totally different from you who was 20. Take it from me, you will. You haven't got, you don't have to stab everyone, you don't have to beat everyone up, don't listen to the crowd. You want to be a hero, you want to be a chap. I've got there, I've done it, I'm a bank robber, I took old Bill hostage, shoot out of police, I've done a lot. I'll give it back tomorrow. Do you I don't want to be a face. Do you regret every day of your life the things that you've done? No. I've done it and I can't turn it back. So how can I regret it? I know it's silly me sitting there going, I can regret it. All I can say to people, please, don't be like me. Go to college, learn. You want to get out of the gutter, go to college, learn. Because then people, I had a lot of money then, they're overtaking me and become millionaires and whatever while I was sitting in jail. And I've come out of jail 20 years later and my life's like, I've been out of prison now 22 years, but I've been banged up twice for two things they try to stick on me. And that's not been nice. And the prison system, what I fought for, the telephones, you've got telephones now, you've got TVs now, I had a bucket and a bed, that's all I had. But now things, but when you're banged up 23 hours a day, See, sanity, I promise you, you'll be pushed it six months in, week in, week out. You don't get your visits, your people can't turn up, it's raining, they haven't got the screws, you're locked up, your food's shit. That's what it's like in prison. When you came out of prison, what were your first thoughts about what you were going to do? Well, it's very hard because you're not, you're not welcome back into society because what happens when, when you come out, as you can see, I'm smothering toes, right? So, and then when you've got a criminal record, for us to get a job is ridiculous. So what we need is schemes to set up young offenders to come out. And also, most important, we need to help the people who've been actually hurt. You know, their mums, their dads. And if you've got a bit of mercy, turn around and say, look, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, like, this was an era. But like I said, now, it's a time to try and change. I'm asking you, don't follow my footsteps because I've been a disaster. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I'm trying to say to you. So when someone walks out of prison after doing a long term and they're not welcome into society, they, like you said, they don't know what to do in terms of work. They don't know how to get a proper job because people won't accept them. Do you not think that they're just going to turn straight back into crime? 
Yeah, this is something set up for them. Well, at the moment, everyone's letting each other down. But the most important part, don't put yourself in the first place. You know, if you kill someone, that's what's going to happen to you. And, and believe me, being a lifer, it goes on and on and on. And you will think totally different. But getting back to the people who've been killed, now we haven't spoke about that. I had a nephew, he took an overdose. A young boy, been out of prison, going as a Bible. One of my nephews loved the kid to death. Thought he'd come out of prison, he took some heroin and he died. So to me, a lot of kids, when you go into prison, this is how it runs to form. You come in with your Ralph Lauren, your few quid, and you've got everything. As the time goes on, you lose your Ralph Lauren, you lose your canteens, because if you get hooked on drugs, what most people in prison do, then you're going to come out the other end. You ain't going to come out a nice person. So please, believe me, don't put the knife down. Please, I beg you, put the knives, knives down for all the chaps. Because you, if you save one life, or two lives, or three lives out of this programme, please, we've done something. If someone has a knife now and they're watching this and they're thinking, look, I do want to put the knife down, can, where can they get rid of that knife? Is there somewhere they can go to get rid of it? Throw it in the river. Throw it in, throw it, bury it. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. All that about handing it to police, that's just for the police. That's propaganda for the police. Don't give the police the propaganda. Get rid of it. What support do these people have, though, coming out of prison? So, and is, this something, is this something that you're trying to set up? <sighs> well, they don't listen. Um, a lot of people, they get wrapped in paperwork. All you are is a number. You're a number in prison. Um, you come out, you get your 70 pound in your hands, and that's it, mate, you're in trouble. You know, so unless you've got a family member puts you up or whatever, or you can get an hostel if you're lucky. So you go, back, you go back into survival mode as soon as you come out? Yeah, yeah, so, so that's you, got... You sort of, that's why they sort of tend to, you know, they're re-offenders, they teach, keep tend to come back, because they come out of prison, they need to survive, they need to feel safe, they go back to crime. Yeah, but once again, we're in front of knife crime, so, I'm hoping you don't get into this situation, but after a lengthy prison sentence, time's changed. You come out, so you're gonna get back to what you was into. So what the government's got to do, or people around you, communities, try and sort out a job for them. Try to give them some meaning, because that's what you need. And um, like I said, in my life, obviously, I'm a, what you call the old school, so I'm not, in, I'm not a drug dealer, never have been, never will, I'm not, I don't like drug dealers. So the big difference between us and them, the old school, help the old granny across the road, don't grass on your friends, and you help the working class people, which is what I'm hoping to do now by sitting here, and people, like I said, getting back to the bin, he's a cunt, he's a mug, he's a fucker. Yeah, think what you've got to think, you know, but I've been there, mate. What was the first, how old were you when you first had your first knife? 14. You just walking around the streets? Carrying a knife. With your mates? No, I was one of the one real one. Oh, at the time, it wasn't really, people my age, I'm 63 nearly, people never carried knives in really. I was one of the odd ones who, who carried knives. Why did you feel like you needed to carry a knife? It's funny really because I've done martial arts, I was third in England, I've done judo, karate, kickboxing. I think because rival gangs, 
you'd fight with rival gangs, like, similar to today, like, but the difference between today, I wouldn't kill someone because he traps over a postcode or, or someone winds you up, you know, so this is what people don't understand. A lot of people always looked at it the wrong way. Does he deserve to die? I mean, there's a big difference from carrying a knife. I carried a knife for my own protection, and if I had to use it, I probably would. I'm not going to lie. And I did. And, I re and that, that night with mine, I was attacked by 28 people from Chelsea on a, on a coach party. So at that time, I felt it was right for me to carry a knife. But I've, I can control myself by walking out that door now by not carrying a knife. And that's what you've got to do, say, no. It's like a fag or a booze. You drink too much drink, you get pissed. You, you smoke too many fags, you die of cancer. You've got to say no. And that's what I'm saying to you young kids out there, please believe me. Before you kill someone or stab someone, that's the consequences of what's going to happen to you. That's why I'm sitting here now for behalf of... Not only am I sitting here behalf of the, the young offenders, I'm sitting here because for the other side too, the people who going to lose their lives, their kids, who's been stabbed to death, tragically stabbed to death. Look at the, how would they feel? How'd they pick their lives up again? They're never the same. Vic, what's your take on drugs? Well, I've seen a lot of things for drugs that cause so much trouble, it's unbelievable, because most of the crime today is committed by drugs. And I, when I was in prison, I saw the junkies, they'd do anything, heroin days, they'd do anything. They'll lie to you, they'll cheat you. I was used to train with a boxer who was a British lightweight champion. He got arrested. And he never used to turn up hitting the pads. And I think, where is he? And he'd be out of his head on everything. And this man was a super fit athlete. He was a British title holder. And I used to beg for him to come off that, come off these drugs. They don't listen. So once you're hooked on drugs, you're not going to get. But the only way I think you get man is, it's not speaking out of turn, it's make drugs legal. Monitor the drugs. It's like, I know it sounds stupid, it's a silly story to tell you, but on the black market, you use a thing called Coagra, which is Ardons, they're called Viagra. Now they've made them legal. So it took out all the bad money, all the, all the dodgy Viagras, they're now real raggers because you get them across the chemist. So legalising drugs is the only way forward, really. I know you people in the government don't want it, but if you want to take a bit of Charlie, the marijuana, the cocaine, the excesses, monitor it. Money goes to the government, people go in there and make sure you're monitoring that person. So if, you, if that person in your family knows I'm taking cocaine, you can monitor, your, say, your brother, your sister, but most of the drugs are pushed underground. People don't want to know that you're taking drugs. But you make it legal, it's like going into Tesco's and buying a bottle of vodka. Oh, I'm going to have a bit of Charlie today. You won't, because you'll take the... All the criminality out of it. It's going to save lives effectively, right? The basis, seriously. Because the quality of the products will be better. Yeah. Be almost safer. Yeah. Money will be cleaner. Yeah. Um, like you said. No you gang can, wars. No gang wars. So. No county lines. How could they go about? How could they go about making drugs legal? I mean, it, you know, how can they actually do that? Because it's so it's so big on an underground world. Like, how could they go about doing it? Well, at the moment they're doing it at festivals, which is a good idea, and they're saying taking people in, examining the drug, see how strong it is, and saying to people that you can take that, you can't take it. This is what they're doing at festivals at the moment. Now, if they can do that at festivals, we could do it countrywide. You could go people, say, look, I'm going to have a bit of Charlie, 
child, as far as I'm concerned, don't really kill anyone, really. I, I've known loads of people like it, judges, everyone likes a bit of Charlie. Whoever's sitting there, uh, uh, who's, it, it affects everyone, from judges down to police officers, whatever. I know coppers, people, my mate said these coppers sell drugs and things like that. So what I'm trying to say to you is make it legal. Because people will turn around and say, well, hold on, then you could be ruining people's lives, but so could alcohol, right? True. That's the whole, that's the whole yeah. point. That's what you're trying to get across. Like, yeah. alcohol kills people, yeah. but it's legalised. Yeah. Smoking kills people. It's one yeah. of the biggest drugs. Yeah. So why, sh you know, why shouldn't they legalise? I yeah. think a lot of things, people who want drugs, I taste it, it's like, because it's illegal, and they think, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take a bit of that, because it's legal, but if they make it legal, I'm like, well, I can't be asked. You know, it's nothing really. It's like walking in and saying, I want to have a drink today, I'll have a drink. I could drink myself, I could go into Tesco's or any supermarket and buy five bottles of vodka and drink a lot and kill myself. So if you've got a load of cocaine there, any one normal person would only take a line or two lines or whatever, and it's monitored, monitored by the doctors, monitored by your family, monitored by the government. The money will go back to the government, put into the hospitals. So we, the government could make serious lots of money by making drugs legal. By making drugs legal, it would, cut, it would stop most deaths overnight. Whereabouts did you grow up? Because did you grow up with poverty? Is that maybe what you thought got you into, into violence and crime in the first place? When my mum, when um, there wasn't many immigrants in the country at the time, my dad was Maltese, which was, dark, he was quite dark skinned. My mum was ginger, which is like, you know, at school with a ginger or whatever. And I remember um, we grew up, we had nothing, we had no money. We lived behind a junk shop. And then uh, I remember I was standing in school, I was only a kid. And again, he's a big bully, walked up to me, he said, how do you make a Maltese cross? So I went, I don't know, and he stamped on my foot. And he's because he was a big kid, and that was the first time I ever expected bullying. Don't get me wrong, I punched his head when I said a few years later, I smashed him all round the gaff. But getting back to poverty, and, um, I think there's a big way into crime. I think what it is, high rise blocks of flats should be knocked down, no more than two storey high. I think the kids should give more education about if they're, about it's no good putting children into homes or or trying to educate, expelling them from school. Because all they do is go on the streets and it makes them worse. I think people got to sat down. And I think with all the wealth we got today, I think people should be taken out. When they see troublesome kids, businessmen like Alan Sugar, the richest men in the world, or the richest men in Britain, should take out these kids and take them, put them in college. Give them a chance. You know, pay for this and pay for that. Try and take kids out and put them into a better life. Because if you start off a good, on a good foot, you can go for the rest of your life without causing any crime and you wouldn't even know you'd been here. But people who come from where I did, I grew up with a chip on my shoulder. I thought people looked down on me because I lived behind a junk shop. So the only way I could get respect, I thought, was punching someone up in the air or hurting someone. So that was how we thought we could get respect. And that's what it's like on the streets. If you want a bit of respect, you've got to hurt someone or you've got to do something. We're, we're different. Well, I got brought up different. We're called money getters. Money getters mean we chase banks, we chase sorting offices to better my life. And then when we got caught, we, they put you away for a long time. And people say, why did you commit any crimes? I never committed crimes because we wanted to commit crimes. I just wanted to get out of living behind a junk shop. 
I didn't want to be a low life. I didn't want to work in forms like my dad. I wanted to, I wanted to better myself. Like my brother is a millionaire. We, you know, we moved on. But what I say to kids today, please study, get yourself in university, get a good job. Because if the only way to beat the system is be part of the system. If your kids, like my children, our children have gone on, we've got people like my stepdaughter, she, she's got a degree, she's now working in, and things like all our nephews and that, they've gone and bettered themselves because we've got a better life. But the, So my heart goes out to the street kids who, who's got no money. I've been there. We had no money. I, I, I started washing a tin bath. I've done martial arts, I've done karate, kickboxing, judo, to make me a better person. I'd, and it turned me into be a bit of a monster, to be honest with you. I, I chased money, and that's what I did. I, I, I'm out of it now. But please, give the kids a chance. If you're, anyone who's watching this programme, give the kids a chance. How, how, if people want to sort of get in contact with you, or maybe they want to start changing their lives, how can they get in contact? You've got a website? You've got... Yeah, I've got, I've got some good friends of mine on my website. It's thickdark.co.uk. So if you want to talk to us, if you need a leading head, I've got someone who will pick that phone up and talk to you. So any suicidal problems, your drug problems, or people being bullied, if we can help, we will. You know, so there's a lot of people who we can count on who are nice people. We know a lot of people, so anything we can help you with, we will. Nice. So all of Vic's details will be below. So his website. You got yeah. any other programs coming up soon? Because you haven't done this in a while, have you? You haven't no, really reached out no. to people. No. The reason why I come forward is because I've got a six-part program, um, and obviously I come back into the media. Like I said, I lost my mum for cancer. I stood out the programs and the bits and pieces, but because so many people have asked me, especially victims. Uh, the mums and dads said, we need someone to get up without the police. So what people want to know is, what is the, what is the actual solution? Like, where can they go? Are, like, the youth clubs now are closing down. Yeah. There's no youth clubs for kids to go. No. There's no, there's no support for people, like for no. young kids that are maybe from the, you know, from the cancer estates. No one wants to give time to these guys. So what are they supposed to do? Look. I'm not, I'm not saying talk to authorities, I'm not talking to go and talk to your parents. You know, like obviously anyone we have problems with, my son, he was selling drugs, I actually got him beat up, I know it sounds bad. A lot of people was going to sit there and think, oh, so my mum said, that is a liberty what you had done, Vic. Why did you have him, he wasn't beat up, he was just slapped. Because I heard he was selling drugs and I got him slapped. So at the end of the story, and the person who's involved in it, uh, they try to set up someone and try to rob someone, obviously, we do security, we do the debts, we do everything. So we're involved in everything. So it's like Big Brother, we always say put the knife down. Otherwise, certain things, you know, you know, we get around things. You, you've got to talk. And the geezer who carries the knife, he's a fucking bully. He's gonna, he, you know, no one goes around. I've not ever bullied anyone. I don't like bullies. And I wouldn't like to be bullied myself, which I've been trying to, people, a couple of people try to bully me. And, I, and I've got to be strong enough and turn around and say, look, your, your finger away, mate. It's as easy as that. I've been robbing banks and posting all my, you are a finger away. But I've got to say in my head, no, I'm married, I've got a nice life, I, I can't do it. That's how you've got to be strong. And the person who's threatening you, I know it's hard. You're in a situation, what do you do? What do you do? You know, someone's going to stab you. Or go, obviously, you, can, you know, how do you get out of it? I don't know. 
It's, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my Would personal... you run? Yeah, basically. I, well, it's, up to, it's up to you. I've done, you know, it depends on the situation. You know, would it... Uh, it's OK me sitting here saying, you know, I've had knives pulled on me before, but I've, I've done a lot of kickboxing, karate and judo, so at the end of the story, you're going to stab me, you're going to stab me. But, you know, but you won't be walking around for long. You know, so that's, uh, I know and that's me being me being truthful. But my my thing is, before it starts, I've got to put that knife down. You know. Going back to when you were a kid and you said that you did martial arts, because I mean, effectively, that some people think that's a great way of learning self-defense without yeah. carrying a knife. Yeah, and you, yeah, and you said you actually said I probably won't go back and do it. Is that not something that's worth learning? Just yeah, for and also, all kids go out there, keep fit. I mean, today, what is the societies today, they're feeling you've sugar and they're feeling that, and you've got a lot of fat kids and things like that. I mean, I train all the time, I'm 63, I love training, and I think it's a good way for your head, it straightens you out, you can look after yourself. I mean, like, you know, um, I take pride in myself on a cross trainer, I, so I do a solid hour, 20 minutes rain, 20 minutes bike, 20 minutes cross trainer, and I've done it all my life. I've, you know, running, kickbox, karate, and I think it's a way of life. I mean, you know, and you also, when you've done martial arts or boxing or whatever, you can look after yourself a lot better than being a couch potato. No, that's nice. So what is next for Vic Dunk? What's, what are your plans moving forward? What, what do you want to do? Me? I've just wrote a programme, six-part programme, which I hope does well. I'm hoping to go to Sky Netflix. Uh, our security companies are going well. Everything's going well. Um, and all like I said, I'm only here just to help the kids. I'm not here for any money. I'm not here for the police. I'm not here for the MPs. I'm here for the working class people. And anything we earn through my six part series, most of it's going to go to anti knife crime for any of the victims who've been killed by crime. So that's where we'll set up a charity and it will be going into that. Nice. Vic Dark. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much.